Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to a special reaction episode of the No Huddle Show. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by Matt Lombardo, by Elliot Shore Parks. They cover the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. They were in Arrowhead in Kansas City over the weekend as the Eagles dropped the game 27-20. You guys had a reaction podcast today. This one um, is more of a reaction from you guys, from our listeners, uh, with emails, with tweets, uh, at the No Huddle Show on Twitter, hashtag the No Huddle Show, to give us some reaction. We got a lot of it. Uh, let's give some of our thoughts. I mean, guys, you've had a couple days now to kind of think and, and listen to the reaction out there, and then we'll get to our listener reaction. But, Elliot, as the, the loss for the Eagles sets in for a couple days, they dropped the game 27-20. They're 1-1 one one now. Um, how do you feel about this team as they come home for their first home game? So I've watched the game three times now since, uh, since Sunday. And I think the initial reaction, which I think is will be seen in our, our hot takes we got from readers, was was negative, which I was surprised about because the more I watch the game and the more I think about it, this team was tied against one of the best teams in the AFC, arguably had outplayed them or at least played very even with them. But they were tied with about six minutes to go in the fourth quarter on the road in a game that really I don't think anybody expected them to win. So I think overall, like if we want to and I'm, I'm sure the readers will do it. And that's why I love Eagles fans. But I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll nitpick different things and we'll talk about why they lost. But I think after two games, but especially after Sunday, I, you should feel really good about where this team is at to go into Arrowhead to play a very good Chiefs team I mean if they have a few if Vinny Curry makes that sack or Zach Ertz is able to run you know five or six extra yards at the end of that crazy completion they might win that game so I don't think the Eagles came out of Kansas City looking like a flawed team but the one thing that I really think we have to get into and talk about is Isaac Sayamalu because outside of all the positive I saw if this offensive line continues to be an issue like the running game thing is I'm excited to talk about it because I completely disagree with people about the criticism with that. But the offensive line couldn't end up being an issue. But overall, the more I watch that game and the more I look at how they played the Chiefs, I think the Eagles should feel very encouraged about uh, about last Sunday. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I think that the glass is half full for the Eagles through two weeks, one and one with a good pass rush, a quarterback that makes plays. We'll get into the coaching. We'll get into the reaction, the run pass stuff. It just feels like we're in a time loop here with the Philadelphia Eagles. And Matt, before we get to Matt, remember iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, everywhere you listen to podcasts, we're there. Um, the No Huddle Show and leave us a good rating as we uh, move forward and grow with these podcasts we do every week. Matt, how do you feel about this team right now? I mean, what Elliot was just saying, say Amalo's an issue, the offensive line, run game's an issue. Um, are you in the camp that the glass is half full for this team, or are the warts and the issues they have worrisome when you look at this uh, this team right now? Yeah, listen, I think, guys, every team in the NFL has flaws, right? You look across the league, and if the Cowboys can't run the ball, they're going to be in trouble. You look at, you know, the New England Patriots, the way that they were just beat at their own game against the Kansas City Chiefs in week one. You look at the fact that maybe the Saints have kind of run their course with Sean Payton and with Drew Brees. And you look at this Eagles team, it all comes down to their inability to run the ball and a really leaky offensive line, both in pass protection and in run blocking. And I think that there were a lot of good things to take away from that game on Sunday. And I think that you can now 
now make a legitimate case that Elliot's absolutely right that as of now, as of two weeks into the year, this is potentially the best team in the NFC East. But I, I think that these issues, and until they fix them, they're going to struggle to beat teams that are on their level. They're going to struggle to beat teams and win games against teams like the Denver Broncos, against teams, you know, later on down the line, maybe even the Arizona Cardinals going on the road against the Carolina Panthers. They're going to need to fix this offensive line and figure out some way to keep Carson Wentz from dropping back 56 times in a game if you want to do anything other than just beat up on the teams that you're superior to from a talent standpoint. See, but here's the reason I disagree to some degree with that is they had 406 yards of offense. They outgained the Chiefs. The time of possession was exactly even. The Eagles had the ball for more yep. than the Chiefs, actually, 30 minutes and 49 seconds. So if you want to tell me you have to run the ball, then I, I'm like, if then you're doing it for two reasons. One, to control the clock more, or yep. two, because your passing game isn't working. But the Eagles passing well, you're game for, is you're working. Forgetting, you're forgetting a third one. You're, you're forgetting what? the third that you're asking a quarterback who's played in 18 games to drop back 56 times and do it all. Number one, right. stay healthy. Number two, avoid getting sacked six times, which was the case on Sunday, four times against the Redskins the previous week. And you're asking him not to make a costly mistake in a big spot. And I thought, and I graded Carson Wentz at the end of the game in the report card as a B minus. And I thought he played relatively well, especially given the pass rush that he faced all day. But the more times that you ask him to drop back between 55 and 60 times, he's bound to make a mistake that could cost you a game. And in a lot of ways, that interception, not getting the ball thrown into the ground on a throwaway attempt was the costly mistake that turned the tide of that game and cost you a win yep. against a very good football team. But, but the issue with that is one, it's a passing league now. So, I mean, I know Wentz threw the ball 607 times last year and he's on pace to throw it more, but but it's just a passing league now. I mean, the quarterback throws the ball more. But two, yep. Wentz is far and away the best player on the offensive side of the ball. So, yeah, if he throws it 50 times, is he more likely to make a mistake than he does if he throws it 30? Yeah, but I, I guarantee you the Eagles are likely to score a lot more points and get a lot more yards with Wentz controlling the ball on 50 plays as opposed to just giving it to Blunt or giving it to Smallwood. If they had a running back on this roster, like a Dalvin Cook, like a Kareem Hunt, guys they could have gotten in the draft, then I would agree with you. Then you don't want, then you don't want to give the ball to Wentz 50 times. But if the Eagles are going to win games this year, they're not going to do it with their running game. So they, I mean, like I said, they, they're controlling the clock, they're getting yards, they're scoring points. So I don't see the reasoning. If the, if, if they're up 20 points and when, and he's still throwing the ball, then yeah, I agree. But they were in a close game. If when, when it was 13 to 13 late in this game with six minutes to go, I don't think anybody was saying, all right, Doug, time to run the ball to get this offense going. The Eagles were, their game plan was working against the chiefs. If Sproles doesn't fumble the ball on that punt, then they, they, they might win the game. If Zach Ertz goes a little further on that, on that lucky pass, they might win. If any Curry makes that sack, I mean the reason right, they it lost comes down had to a couple to of plays their, here and there. Right. But you can also say that Darren Sproles fumbling that punt might be due to the fact that they don't have the personnel to run the ball effectively, or the offensive line hasn't been playing well enough to run the ball effectively. Then, so and I'm not advocating for Garrett Blunt to get more carries. I'm not necessarily saying that Wendell Smallwood needs to be the feature back. But the one way that you keep your quarterback from facing an onslaught of pressure for the entire game, the one way outside of signing an offense offensive lineman or trading for a running back that you can try to fix it 
is to run the ball early. And in the first drive, in the first 11 plays that Doug Peterson scripted, they ran it twice, and they ran it really effectively on those two times. So I'm not saying that you just run the ball for the sake of running it, but when you look at your first drive and your first two runs are a 12-yard run for Sproles, a 6-yard run for Sproles, and then later a 3-yard run up the middle for Sproles, you're running it effectively. It's getting away from the run and falling into the pattern of pass, 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 pass that leads you into those end-of-game mistakes and potential injuries to your quarterback. That's See, but, all I'm but, saying. But no, I, I, if me and you were constructing a team right now and it was, you know, we're drafting a fantasy team, then I would agree with you. Yeah, running the ball is important for all the reasons you just said. But the reality is it's week three now and the Eagles roster is what it is. And yeah, maybe their first few runs work. But at the end of the day, Sproles average, they, they finished with 13 carries for 40 or 52 yards. So the, the running game wasn't working overly well. So I, that's my only thing is you're saying, and not just you, a lot of Eagles fans are saying, you know, run the ball, run the ball. But on the other hand, they're going, well, they don't have the personnel to do it. Well, well I'm just saying the problem is getting away from it too early. And I, but, I, but, again, I'm just saying that if if you don't want to put your quarterback in a position where he has the opportunity to make a game deciding mistake in a tie football game on the road in one of the most hostile environments in the league run the ball more. Maybe these things don't happen and maybe it doesn't make a difference, but I think the cumulative effect of 10 sacks over two weeks, the hits that he's taking on the run, it's it's going to add up here. And there, there's going to come a time where he's going to get hurt because Doug Peterson didn't do enough to keep defenses off balance. It's not about yeah. winning or losing games. It's about preserving Carson Wentz, getting him into good habits and, and not looking in week 12 or 13 and saying he has a tired arm or he's suffered a rib injury or whatever the case may be, because you dropped him back 625 times in the course of a year. There's a lot to unpack here. I mean, this has become the biggest story around the Eagles. It's not their pass rush. It's not that they almost beat the Chiefs. It's not that they're one-on-one coming home to take on a Giants team that looks like they're about to implode. The biggest story, and it's funny, it just feels like a time loop, doesn't it? With Andy Reid all the years he was here, and now Doug Peterson, pass-run ratio. I mean, there was a, right before we record this podcast, there's some guy standing outside the Novacare complex. Matt, you put a story up on NJ.com with the big sign, run the ball. It's like the same thing that is always talked about. It's talked about again. Let's get to some of the reaction on the email, and then we'll get to Twitter. And a lot has to do with this. So I think we should throw it in as, as we kind of debate this, the different levels of, of what's going on here with Doug. Um, Jalen Flock sent us an email to uh, our email address, the no Huddle Show at njadvancemedia.com. And he said, it's clear our coaching staff has shown a lack of faith to commit to running the ball. Uh, DJ Hardy threw in an email as well, 46 passes of 17 runs. I actually think that was an even bigger discrepancy because some of those runs were Wentz and there were some plays that he was sacked and it was more like 56, 13, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What the hell is wrong with this coach? Elliot, I'm with you on Sunday. It was the right way to attack the Chiefs. I mean, it, the offense worked on Sunday. They moved mm-hmm. the ball up and down the field. It was the right game plan. Uh, I also see Matt's point that over the course of the season, if they keep doing it just like they did Sunday, there's going to be an issue here at some point. Uh, But I just I reject the notion, Elliot, that Doug Peterson can't run the ball, doesn't run the ball. I mean, they were 10th in the NFL in attempts last year. And during his time in Kansas City, when he was the offensive coordinator, the Chiefs were always in the top half of the NFL in running the ball. It just feels like people are just jumping onto this week and saying Doug can't even spell run. And that's, you know, I was. I was part of this last year when they first hired Doug, but I think this just speaks to the idea that there's a perception out there of Doug that he's not a good head coach, when in reality, 
like they literally almost just beat the Chiefs, a game people thought they would be blown out. They beat the Redskins the week before. They looked like, I mean, watching the Giants last night, they looked like a considerably better coach team than the Giants do. And the Giants were a team a lot of people picked to win, to win the NFC East. And so now here we are coming off a game against the Chiefs, coming off their win against the Redskins, and we're nitpicking Doug's run-pass ratio when the offense was working. I mean, look at the trash offense the Giants have. They, think about how the Eagles look off offense looks in comparison to that. I mean, yeah, would it be would it be an ideal world if they could run the ball effectively as well? Yeah, but every team has flaws, and the Eagles' flaws, their running back situation's not good. And everybody's criticizing Doug, but the reason the team is flawed has nothing to do with Doug. I mean, we can't say on one hand that he's a pushover, and on the other hand, blame him for, for the lack of the running game. The running game doesn't work because Howie Roseman, the team's general manager, messed this up. He, he completely botched the situation this past offseason. He knew he was losing Ryan Matthews, the, team t- the team's top running back last year. They knew Wendell Smallwood wasn't a special player, and they knew Darren Sproles was entering probably the final year of his career. And all they do is they go and they sign LeGarrette Blunt, a guy that nobody else in the league wanted, and they passed on, after calling it a historic running back draft, they passed on all these running backs and then moved up to draft Donnell Pumphrey, and I'm not going to say Pumphrey's a bust right now, but at the same time, he's on the IR list. He almost got cut out of camp. So when you talk about you know why the Eagles can't run the ball, whether they should do it more, I don't think it's fair to criticize Doug for refusing just to hand it off to Blunt and watch him fall two yards, or to give up on the running game early. But, when, but, but that's not that that's not what anybody's advocating. Is, but Elliot, I feel like but, that is what people are saying. People are saying they should run the ball more. Is that not what people are saying? Well, no, well there I, are I some. Think, Matt, I think some of your the your 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 colleagues in the media. I mean, your, the writers that are with you guys every day. I've I've read some of them, and there there's a feeling out there that if the Eagles keep banging their head against the wall, the run game will work. I reject that, though, Matt. I understand your point of kind of keeping the defense honest a little bit to keep them off of Wentz and the cumulative effect. I think there's something to that, but I don't think just because they run the ball more, the running game's going to suddenly become good. I think that's well, silly. Tell, 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 tell me this thing, guys. How is it that you can average over six yards, over, you know, f- f- seven yards a carry on your first drive but and then call eight more on the run plays drive. the rest of the game? Well, okay, you're, you're focusing on their first few runs. What what were their runs in the last last five or six runs? I mean, how was the running game working after those initial plays? Well, they, they went minus two on their first uh, run of the second quarter, two yards up the middle, minus three, and then a six-yard run, and then they didn't run it again until the third quarter. Right, so, so my point is that if it's working early, why why get away from the run when it's working early on? And I'm not saying that you need to have 50-50 ratios here, but when you're dropping your quarterback back to pass 56 times, that that feels absurd to me. That feels unsustainable to me to do that weekend. And I mean, here's the thing, out. Matt. And here's the thing: if if your argument was you you just simply don't worry about winning the game, worry about Wentz this season, don't have Wentz throw it you know close to 700 times. If that was your argument for running the ball, then I maybe agree with you on that. But I just think, and not just you, a lot of people are, have this idea that if Doug ran it 30 times all of a sudden it would start to work. I don't think they have the personnel to run the ball. Right. So I, I, I agree with you. I agree with so, you. And my thought is that, that it's for self-preservation. It's not for potentially changing the outcome of a single game. But if you can move the ball early on in a balanced attack and you can take a lead, then you're not throwing coming from behind in the fourth quarter as the Eagles were after the Wentz interception. So, so you, so you, if I understand you correctly, you're basically saying that running the ball to you isn't about trying to win the game. Running the ball is about preserving Wentz. 
I, I'd say that that's fair, but I would say that if you run the ball on a more balanced attack early on, you're going to put yourself in a position to win the football game because you'll be having a more balanced ball control offense in the first half. Yeah, I just – well, two things. One, Doug, Doug's job is to win. I mean, I think all three of us will agree, fair or not, Doug's seat is probably – always going to be hot. I mean, until he's, you know, four or five years in, I think Doug's seat is, should be considered hot right now. Doug's job is to win the game. I mean, you know, preserve worrying, worrying about Wentz in five years isn't fair. Or not is not something Doug needs to worry about. I'm worried about Wentz in five weeks. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm I, not talking just, about five years. I'm saying that right. he was sacked six times on, on Sunday, Elliot. He ran the ball four times for 56 yards. That's 10 hits. That's 10 unnecessary quarterback hits in addition to when he gets knocked to the ground after throwing the ball, when he, you know, gets hit in the pocket. That's 10 extra hits. You put that out through the course of of a a 16-game season, and and I don't know that the Eagles are going to be any better in pass protection because you don't give the semblance of a threat to an opposing defense, so all they need to do is blitz. I I don't know that giving Wentz an opportunity to take 160 unnecessary additional hits is really survivable or sustainable for Wentz or the offense. All right, let's look at two, the two aspects of this, because I think there's, there's two things that are the driving force more than just Doug's play calling. I think we can all agree with this. The running back issue they have and the offensive line issue. Let's start with the running back. We got an email here. This is pretty cool, guys. We got this one from Master Sergeant Anthony J. Gallo from the, uh, the Air Force, and he's stationed in Niger um, over in Africa. And he said, it's pretty obvious when Sproles is out there on the field, the team is sustainably better. Moving forward, so they feature more Sproles. Um, and he said, I'm guessing the idea is to preserve him and shouldn't run him to the ground. Matt, this goes back to what you were saying and the start of that game. Um, the answer I have, and I don't think Doug's going to admit this, but they ran the ball well early. Darren Sproles went, ran the ball well early. In its different way, it's a little similar to Wentz, though. We all know Darren Sproles can't run the ball 20 times in a game. No team, no coaches ever let him do it in the NFL. He's 34, 35 years old. So I think they got to a point where, uh-oh, we don't have many carries left for Darren. And looking at the offensive line, I don't think Doug thought anybody else could get yards besides Darren because he's the guy that's shifty and can make things happen. I, I think it's a problem, Elliot. When I look at this, every year we do this with Darren Sproles. He's their best option, but they can only use him so much. Yeah. I mean, again, it goes back to Howie. I mean, this team should have addressed the running back position heading into the offseason. And, and not to get into a big, you know, talk about the Eagles offseason and where they kind of failed. We knew the biggest three issues on this team were running back, receiver, and cornerback in some order. And they they really didn't address two out of the three. And they really only addressed cornerback once they got into camp and they had to trade Jordan Matthews in a third round pick. Two valuable assets. No matter what you think of Jordan Matthews, he is he was one more, one of their more tradable assets. He had used two of those three on cornerback and they did nothing at running back. So I agree with you. It's obvious and it was obvious in camp when Sproles has the ball in his hands. He's the best running back on the team, and it's not even close. I mean, some of the, you know, some of the successful runs they did have were simply because Sproles has the speed to get to the edge and can burst through holes way quicker than Blunt does. But as Sproles has seen, I mean, I mean, as we've seen with Sproles, he can't, he's not going to be their lead back. I mean, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to sustain a running game through Sproles. It's just not going to happen. And it's not because he's not talented. It's just not he can't. I mean, he just has never done it in his career. 
How about this? Elliot and I agreeing on something here because they yeah. set themselves up by keeping LeGarrette Blunt on this roster for Sundays like this week playing out. Because Doug even talked about this after the game and he talked about it again yesterday, not saying in, in quite so many words, but I don't think that he believed LeGarrette Blunt could get the job done against that front with the, the Kansas City Chiefs. He's just not quick enough to hit the hole with the likes of D. Ford and Justin Houston on the outside and Benny Logan in the middle. So you needed to rely on Darren Sproles. But Elliot's right. It's not sustainable for Darren Sproles to carry the ball 10 times and then catch the ball five times and then go back out and shag punts. It's, it's just not sustainable. And I don't think the Eagles really care at this point because he is over the age of 30. They know he probably only has one year left. So they're just going to run him in the ground and whatever happens to him happens to him. But this all falls back on the fact that they didn't address this in the offseason. They they basically ignored it in free agency when there were some pretty good running backs available and in the draft that they called historically deep and they came away with a scat back slash slot receiver and Denel Pumphrey. So th- they don't have the running backs to do it. And their best option right now is Darren Sproles unless you try to develop somebody like Wendell Smallwood or throw some carries to Corey Clement. But LeGarrette Blount at this stage as we saw Sunday, is just not fit for this scheme, particularly against faster, more aggressive fronts. But see, but that's my thing, and I'm not just saying you're saying it. Everyone's saying it. You you just spelled out the argument as to why they shouldn't run the ball more. You they don't have the personnel to do it. They're not going to win games running the ball. So that that but that's then, my then thing. Elliot, how were they so effective early on? How were they so you, effective in the first drive and a half? To- you're, you're pointing to four or five runs, and they right. weren't, and it was they weren't effective in the second half, though. Because, because they didn't try it. They didn't, they didn't have the opportunity to. They, they, didn't have, they, they didn't give him the opportunity to see if that run game would work. I don't think so who should get that opportunity? And that, that's the question, right? We, we all agree Dar- Darren Sproles can only give them so much each game, and they probably are, are tapping out. He's close to it. You know, 10 to 15 runs at the max. So once Doug hits that max with Darren Sproles— who should get the football, Elliot? I mean, we know that Blunt isn't an ideal fit. He didn't give him the ball once on Sunday. People want to see more of Smallwood. I mean, I know a lot of questions. We got a, a tweet here from uh, at Tyler SW75. Who are the best running back options available to sign or trade for? I know, Elliot, you wrote about that yesterday. Or when does Clement get a legit shot? So we know Sproles can only give him so much. Who should get the football next if Doug does run a little more? So before I say on this roster, the one quick thing I'll say is not to get into a huge debate about it, but if I were the Eagles, I would seriously call the Bills and see if I could get LaShawn McCoy. I think the Bills are a team that would be looking to trade. I think it makes a ton of sense. I know the Eagles would like to have McCoy back. Um, Of all the guys that Chip traded away, I think McCoy was the one that really hurt Laurie the most. So I think that it would make a ton of sense. So that, that is something I would look into if I were the Eagles. But dealing with what they have on their roster, I mean, look, I, I, I don't think Blunt's any good. But I don't know what you do. I mean, he, he like Smallwood, I think, is probably the best overall running back on this roster, but he's never actually proven it in a game. Corey Clement, I like more than a lot of people, but I don't think you can count on Corey Clement to turn your running game around either. So I would give Clement the ball a little more. I would maybe give it to Smalls. I mean, this is a Smallwood, sorry, but um, I think you got to 
I mean, I think you've got to try to keep keep it with Blunt for a little bit. I mean, I don't see what other options are. He's He is your most proven running back on the roster. He is at least capable of doing if, – if we're all acknowledging that they're not going to have, you know, 30 or 40-yard plays in the running game and the sole purpose of running it is just to rest Wentz's arm, then I think Blunt at least has the ability to withstand that kind of work every week. So I don't think there's a good option on the roster, um, to be honest. So I think you could really make an argument for any four, and none of them will work. Yeah, and thanks again to uh, to Sergeant Anthony for uh, giving us that email there, and uh, we appreciate and thank you for your service, Matt. Are you with the Blunt group here that he should get the ball more, or should it be Smallwood, Clement? I mean, where does Doug go if he tries to have some more balance this week against the Giants and moving forward? First of all, how incredible that we got a- an email in from a serviceman stationed in Nigeria. That- that's pretty awesome. So uh, thanks crazy. again and for his said- service. And he said he's so glad part of this email was that there's enough Wi-Fi to be able to download it. I mean, the Wi-Fi that he has there, he's, he's using it to try to get us. That's, it is really cool. I love it. I think that, you know, the answer lies in what we all thought this backfield was going to be back in the spring and during training camp. And that's a backfield by committee. And I think that what they need to do is figure out a way that if you're going up against a team with an aggressive front, run Sproles early, mix in Smallwood, mix in a little bit of Garrett Blunt. And what do you have to lose giving Corey Clement some carries? But I think that, you know, I I don't think that Doug Peterson should be bound to any sort of hard and fast. They need to run the ball X amount of times. But if you let's throw an arbitrary number out there. Let's say you run the ball with 21 designed run plays. Would it be out of the question to say that Sproles gets seven, Smallwood gets seven, um, Clement gets three and Garrett Blunt gets three or four, especially in short yardage. Would that be completely out of line to split it up in that fashion? I don't think so. No, I no. think I would be okay with that ratio. I, I, yeah, and I don't think Elliot, I think you're right about this. I, I don't think that they have anybody on this roster that's capable of being a three down back. I thought they were wise enough to realize that based on what we saw in practice and the way they distributed the carries with the first team. But it seems like Doug has gotten into this mold of, okay, LeGarrette Blunt, it's his game on Sunday against the Redskins. You know, the Chiefs are fast and aggressive up front. He's not going to be able to hit the hole quick enough. He's not going to be able to get the job done. It's going to be Darren Sproles' day on Sunday against the Chiefs. I just think that they need to go into each week with a a, a package of plays for each back on that play card based on situations, based on matchups. And, and you got to get them all involved because I think that the best way that you fix the offensive line outside of, you know, shuffling personnel and putting Chance Warmack at guard and Stefan Wisniewski at center is give these guys the chance to run block early on. Give these guys a chance to, you know, impose their will on imposing defensive lines. And, and maybe that would lead to the pass protection being better. Maybe then defenses would be on their heels versus on their toes and getting after Wentz. So Splitting the carries and trying to find some balance, I think, is the way that this team can really take the offense to another level. Well, we knew we were going to get here. The offensive line, a lot of the reaction that we got with the hot takes right after the game and through email about the offensive line. Steve Nelson, who actually wrote us this email from Hong Kong, again, across the world, um, said he, he wanted to talk about Dallas Thomas, who played well in the preseason. But the point of his email was we should try several other players over, say, Amalo. Uh, with the tweets, hashtag the no huddle show. Wiz needs to start at left guard next week. Isaac was beyond awful today with a sad emoji face. Uh, Dan on Twitter, Ben Sayamalo, he's terrible and cost us the game. Elliot, the backs don't really fit. Sproles is their best option, even though he's old and small and can't carry the load. But regardless of who they put in the backfield, 
the offensive line is a real issue right now. And I don't know how Doug fixes this beyond switching around players. Maybe say Amala comes up, but Kelsey's also an issue. What do you see when you watch this offensive line, Elliot? So I think if we're talking about the offensive line, we talk about it in two parts. One, I think run blocking. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch the All-22 yet against the Chiefs, but I did think against the Redskins they did a good job, That, but Blunt just simply wasn't able to take care of was, – wasn't able to take advantage of the holes, and I think that the Eagles probably agreed with that based off the fact that they basically benched Blunt in week two. So I'll be interested to see if there were holes there in the running game uh, yesterday. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, this is a team that's going to win passing the ball, and – Pass protection has been an issue for the Eagles. I mean, I disagree with you that Kelsey's been a problem. Um, if you look at pro football focus, and again, not to get into that debate, but they have Kelsey giving up three pressures this season and 100 pass blocking attempts. So I don't think he's been as big of a problem as other people do. I think Lane in spots has struggled, but overall has been good. Peters has been average. So, I mean, really, I honestly think the the main issue with the Eagles is Sam Alu at this point. I mean, he basically solely gave up three sacks at least against the Chiefs, and you could make the argument for four. Um, you know, so he gave up four out of the six sacks against the Chiefs. I just, yep. but the issue is, I don't know what you do. I mean, I guess you put Wisniewski in there, and I don't know though. I'll be I'll be surprised. I'll be interested to see what the Eagles end up doing because one of the characteristics Doug has shown, I think, as a head coach, is he sticks with guys. I mean, last year against the Redskins when they put Vitai out there. I was saying, you know, all right, you got to bench this guy. You got to bench this guy. Doug stuck with him and he turned it around. But the thing is, Sayamalu was bad last year, too. I mean, Sayamalu has been on the field for 248 pass blocking attempts at guard, and he's allowed 16 pressures and six sacks. So he, he's just he wasn't good last year. I thought the Eagles made a mistake by getting rid of Alan Barber and not creating any competition with for Sayamalu. They basically just handed him the job because I think the front office is committed to him. He was our third round pick last year. He's one of the few young players on the roster this team really needs to work out so when you combine that with the fact that Doug kind of sticks with his guys I'd be surprised if they made a move uh, at least going into the Giants game yeah I don't think that Kelsey's been bad in pass protection but he's gotten blown up in running plays a couple of times particularly against Washington in week one and I think the issue here is Sayamalu is a better center than he is a guard. He played center in college, you know, almost as equal as he did at guard in terms of number of snaps. So he's playing a little bit out of position. You have Stefan Wisniewski, who's kind of the swing interior lineman, but I don't think they're going to make any changes because if you bring Chance Warmack in, he'd be better in the run game, but he's a liability in pass protection. And if you're going to drop Carson Wentz back 50, 55, 60 times as they have the last couple of weeks against that Giants defensive front, they're going to have a field day against the middle of that offensive line. So there isn't a whole lot from a personnel standpoint that I think they can do up front. They just have to figure out a way to survive with what they have and hope that, you know, an area that they thought was going to be a strength going into the year improves from being one of the biggest weaknesses through the first two weeks. Yeah, and if they don't, well, it's going to continue to be an issue and, and really curtail what they could do offensively. All right, before we wrap and give just a couple thoughts, big picture here, uh, Carson Wentz. We got some tweets about Carson. I, I think Carson conversation is always interesting. I think we all agree there's a lot of promise there. He does some good things. Uh, Matt, you said you gave him a, a B or B plus um, for this week's game. But you look at it, he does. he's not perfect yet. I mean, his number's down the field, and Matt, you've been on this for all our podcasts we've done together, he doesn't throw the football well, uh, particularly down the field yet, which is something he has to work on. Um, through two games, Matt, we'll start with you on this one. Carson, who, you know, it's almost like Eagles fans don't want to criticize at all. And 
it's okay to criticize him when he's not playing well or there's still stuff to work on. What have you thought overall of Carson? I see some great. I see some some plays that maybe only five quarterbacks in the league can make. And then I see some issues where he's got to be better if they're going to take this leap and win this division. Yeah, Joe, I, I think you're spot on. I think we've seen enough to feel confident that by year's end, we're going to look back on this season and say he took the leap. He took that leap forward from year one to year two. I, I thought he was very inaccurate with the deep ball in week one, one of seven on those attempts. I thought he had better ball placement in week two on the deep ball, but he, he has to hit Torrey Smith on that deep ball down the field. He was about it looked like four or five yards off target when he had all the time in the world in the pocket to unfurl a ball to Smith that if it's online is probably a touchdown in the first half, but it's not just the deep ball. It's throwing the ball to the sidelines. And I got to give credit to Johnny page on Twitter at Johnny page nine said the Eagles ran six running back screens yesterday. Two were completions minus two and 14 yards. Three were incompletions and one was an interception. And I've talked about this since our week one podcast that Wentz just doesn't have that consistent deep ball accuracy. He struggles on passes to the sideline. And those are two areas where you're going to want to see him improve or else it's going to be to become pretty easy to scheme against this team. Give them over the top. Give them the sidelines. Double team Zach Ertz over the middle. Allocate a one of your top corners to Nelson Aguilar in the slot. And then what do you do? So, so those are the areas that I want to see Carson Wentz improve. But big picture, I think that we see enough to say, you know what, he's improving. Let's just see him get better in these two areas, throwing to the sideline, going deep. And let's hope that the head coach does a better job of protecting him for the rest of the year than he does in the first two weeks. Elliot, how much of the sacks, it's eight sacks through two games, six on Sunday against uh, Kansas City. How much of it you put on Wentz? And we got a, a number of tweets here about Wentz holding the football too long in the pocket. Ken chimed in, uh, Tyler chimed in, a bunch of tweets, hot takes right after the game um, about Wentz and maybe holding the football too long. I love that he always wants to make a play, but there are some plays where it feels like he's got to get rid of the ball before he gets himself hurt mm-hmm. behind an offensive line that, that obviously has its own problems. Well, a couple things. One, I think Wentz has been a considerably better passer this year than he was last year. Um, I think, yeah, all of his passes have not been 100% accurate, but I do think he looks like an improved passer. Um, I think one issue Wentz does have is uh, on a couple of sacks that I've seen, at least maybe one or two of them, it looks to me like it's not that he's not getting rid of the ball. It's he's running into the pressure. Where if, you know, instead of running to his left, he goes to his right, which which results in a sack. So I think that's maybe something he could work on. But, I mean, last year went through, I believe it was 14 interceptions and put the ball in harm's way a lot more times than just those 14 interceptions. I think he's done a better job this year of not being as much of a gunslinger and not putting the, the ball in as much danger. Now, part of the reason is because he's. As, as the readers have mentioned, he's probably holding on to the ball a little longer than he would have last year. So I would rather see him do that than kind of just fling it like he was at times last year. So, yeah, I mean, could Wentz be better in that area? Absolutely. But I do think it's also one of the reasons you've seen him. I mean, his two interceptions, they both come off tip passes. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve blame for that. But he hasn't had an interception this year where it was either the result – of a inaccurate pass or a poor decision. So well, let me I, I just think go back to Sundays real quick because watching in real time, Elliot, you and I up in that press box that might as well have been from the International Space Station at Arrowhead mm-hmm. Stadium. Uh, you know, I was looking down on my father sitting in the upper level. We were so high, but it looked like it was it was tipped. But you go back and you watch it on film, and it, it's almost like Wentz dropped back 
realized that there was pressure, realized that there wasn't a play to be made, and he gave kind of a, a half-cocked attempt at throwing it into the ground, and it bounced off the Kansas City Chiefs defensive end's helmet. And I just think that, one, that wasn't a, a great decision, and two, he's got to do a better job. If you're going to throw it into the ground, throw it into the ground. Make a better throw. And I, I think that that's a decision and that's a play that maybe in hindsight watching it again, he deserved to a little bit more criticism at the time because it wasn't just a ball gone to the sidelines that was tipped. And, and it's emblematic of what happened the previous week when Ryan Kerrigan picked off that pass that was intended for Darren Sproles along the sideline. He just struggles with those sideline throws. Yeah, and Wentz getting his passes tipped at the line is surprising because he is I mean, he's a big guy. He's 6'5", and he's even obviously bigger when he puts the cleats on and everything. So I'm surprised that's an area he, he struggled with so far in his career. I just didn't think I, I didn't see that coming when they drafted him. Yeah, I think it's interesting that it happens on those sideline and screen routes because it doesn't happen when he's throwing the ball over the middle and obviously not when he's throwing it deep. But there's something about those screen pass routes and those sidelines that he, he just hasn't mastered that throw yet. And you hope that at some point this year he does, because it's what we're seeing when you can't run the ball. Those running back screens are essentially Doug Peterson's runs in this offense. Yeah, they are. And uh, yeah, Carson definitely has to get better at those. All right, guys, let's let's wrap with this. Our last uh, tweet we'll throw into the mix uh, at MJD out. He said uh, they weren't flawless in a game that warranted perfection or needed perfection. A humbling loss could be good and ended with this and we'll end with this going to rip apart NYG. Elliot, I know you guys will do a preview podcast later in the week, but as you sit here now looking forward to Sunday Eagles first home game. Uh, I think the game got more interesting with what happened to the Giants on Monday night because now they come in desperate. They look like a bad team, even though they won 11-5 last year. It looks nothing like that team because they can't even be competent on offense. I mean, I think you wrote about it this morning, Elliot, on, on Tuesday morning. The Eagles have to be out for blood on Sunday. I mean, they could effectively mm -hmm. end the Giants season. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the Eagles respond to this moment, because since Wentz and Doug took over this operation, they haven't been in this spot. They haven't really been in a home game. They're expected to win against a team, a desperate team that is at least probably on the same level with them in a lot of ways. So it'll be interesting to see if they can come out and kind of rise to the moment of just putting this Giants team away. I think the Giants are very susceptible to if the Eagles can take a 14-0 lead early on and really ride the momentum of the crowd, I think the Giants will fold it in. So I think if the Eagles respond to the moment and based off of how they played against the Chiefs and how they've played in other kind of primetime spots, I, I think they will. Um, but it'll just be interesting how they handle that. But my initial reaction to this game is I think the Eagles are absolutely going to dust the Giants. I don't think the Giants are a good team. I think Eli's bad. I think the offensive line is bad. Their receivers outside of Odell have been disappointing, and Odell's hurt. I mean, I'm not – Odell might be the best receiver in the league or at least top three, but he's clearly hurt, and they can't get the ball to him. So I'm not sure how much of a factor he is. So I think the Eagles match up perfectly to to uh, to cover the to, to cover the Giants. The defensive line is should – absolutely dominate the Giants offensive line. And with Odell Hurt, I actually think the Eagles secondary matches up well with the Giants receiver. So if the Eagles don't shrink to the moment and if they don't kind of come in and, and just choke, I think they're going to, I don't even think this game will be close by the time we get to the fourth quarter. X's and O's, uh, Matt, I agree with Elliot. I mean, it feels like that's what we're looking at here, but there always is, Matt, the, that NFC East feeling to this where, you know, maybe the Giants rise up and give them a game. What are you feeling now as we look forward to Sunday? 
Yeah, I, I'd be real careful about predicting a blowout when you look at the fact that desperate teams do some really desperate things. And, and in the NFL, a lot of times it comes down to which team needs the game more. And I think that we all agree the Eagles are a team based on what we've seen that can win the NFC East. And depending how Dallas bounces back from what happened to them in Denver, might even be considered the favorites to win the division at this point. I think they beat the Giants, but I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout because that Giants front four is still very good. The Eagles still haven't shown the ability that they can keep Carson Wentz upright, that they can run the football. I think they win the football game, but I think that it's going to be one of those knockdown, drag them out 23 to 20, 27, 21 NFC East type of games that whoever has the ball last might end up winning the game. I think the Eagles are the better team. I think they win the football game, but they're only three and a half point favorites. And anybody who watched that game last night at MetLife Stadium, if you're just judging it on what these two teams are I, and the fact that it's in Philly, I would have expected the Eagles to be seven or nine point favorites, not three and a half. So I think the Eagles win, but I think it's going to be closer than the blowout that Elliott sees taking place on Sunday. And the, the one thing I'll say is I agree there. There's no doubt the Giants are the more desperate team, but the Eagles aren't exactly entering this game 5-0. and I mean, they're 1-1 coming off a loss. It's their home opener. If the Eagles lose this game, they do drop to 1-2. and Now, obviously, that's not as bad as 0-3 as the, as the Giants would be, but I do think that there is something to be said for that. I mean, yes, the Giants are desperate, but the Eagles do also need this win. Yeah, oh, they do. I mean, that's the NFC East, there's, and, but there's blood in the water. When you can end the team season, there's, there's something different about that. It should be fun. Giants, Eagles, Sunday. You guys have a preview podcast later in the week. We appreciate all the feedback. Hashtag the No Huddle Show on Twitter right after the game for the hot takes. And, of course, um, the No Huddle Show at njadvancemedia.com. That's how you get to us through the email. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud how you find our podcast. Leave us a rating. Helps our show grow. Elliot, as always, this was fun. Yep, talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. Eagles-Giants week. Does it get any better? It doesn't. It's going to be a fun week. Everyone, thank you for listening to the No Huddle Show right here on NJ.com.